So it's a lot of hard work, and I think in the early days, there's a lot of other stuff to focus on. But actually, I would take time in the early morning and the evening in order to do it and still focus on everything else around it. Welcome to Tech Talks, the podcast brought to you by Nash Squared and hosted by myself, David Savage, that's been bringing you the latest thinking from technology leaders for over eight years. On today's show, our guest is Molly Johnson-Jones, the co-founder of Flexa Careers. Before that, I'm joined by Akish. How are you? Hello. I'm very well. How are you? Yeah, good, thanks. Good. Bit of flexibility in our working lives, something I think we all like, something that's talked about quite a lot in our newest digital leadership report that people will be able to read in, oh, about three weeks' time. Mm. So going to continue our little bit of... Um, sneak preview i suppose yeah. series because flexor careers and molly johnson jones obviously very very strong uh, advocate for flexible environments now it doesn't necessarily mean in the office or all the time at home it's a it's, it is a genuine mix it depends on what someone is looking for but our survey does reference the likes of ceos uh sorry amazon ceo andy jazzy saying that if they didn't want to return to office, this is their employee, sorry, it's probably not going to work out for you at Amazon. I can tell you now then, I'm out. Yeah, seeing as we're both sat at home today. Uh, <laughs> on a Monday. Or, on a Monday, yeah, or both not in the office. Um, but working and productive. Exactly, exactly. So, well, there's other CEOs, right? Um, hey, well, Elon Musk commercial. has called it morally wrong. Remote working is morally wrong. I mean, I think yeah. Elon Musk at the minute, it possibly could be morally wrong a lot of the time, so I'm not yeah. entirely sure. <laughs> but there I'm, we go. I'm, I'm not sure how his uh, yeah how his moral compass works really, but um, but yeah. yeah. And then we've got obviously a few banks as well. Um, Goldman's, I know, and obviously yeah. Goldman. And then and then there's a whole load of trading firms as well that you know I know some boutique trading firms um, that have literally just said, well, don't care, don't don't matter what happens, just get yourself back in. Yeah. Um, so, digital leaders are pulling back apparently from making people's return to the office on average 58% of respondents have an in-office policy in other words one that asks employees to work in the office for one day a week or more didn't realise that an in-office policy was now just one day a week or more mm. no, in-office to me kind of sounds five days a week yeah like in-office no at home Basically. No, no. Apparently, it's a thirty-five percent fall year on year on the average that we reported last year, indicating that digital leaders are taking a more pragmatic approach. Which is, I think, I think it's really positive. I, I don't agree with Elon. I don't want to be part of Amazon. I think that flexible working is a real benefit, provided that it is genuinely flexible. And if you want to be in the office, you can be. And if you want to be at home, when it, it makes sense and it's still obviously kind of a benefit to both parties, then great. When we look back and then we talk about, you know, you might want to skip a few episodes back in our own Tech Talks catalogue and then we talk about skill shortages in tech, diversity in tech. We talk about, um, you know, making tech or jobs in tech appealing for, for maybe your non-traditionalists, right? Mm. And if we offer things like this, it just allows people to have a much better... Yeah. Um, balance and therefore a bit more enjoyment working in technology. Well, look, that's enough of us rambling. Let's get the actual expert on. As I said, today's guest, uh, Molly Johnson-Jones. Uh, we will be back talking about AI chatbots and takeout apps afterwards. 
So returning to the podcast today, I'm very lucky to be joined by Molly Johnson-Jones of Flexa. How are you? I'm very good, thank you. On this uh, rather rainy Tuesday, how are you? Yeah, well, I have to admit, whilst we've discussed the fact that you think that Paris is overrated, the one thing that it has at the moment is sunshine. Yeah, I mean, I am a bit sick of sunshine, though, because that <laughs> September heatwave really, like, kind of through me so I actually although I don't like being caught in the rain I'm actually quite bad with grey you know what I, of, of all the places that you wouldn't expect me to necessarily rave about I was sat on the beach in Folkestone this oh, yeah. weekend um, at a fish restaurant literally on the beach and it was like so it was Folkestone's amazing it was beautiful no Folkestone Folkestone if, this is a complete diatribe but everyone will be tuning in going what on earth are they on about but Folkestone is a model of what a fairly deprived area can be with a bit of sensible regeneration and money. Yeah. It's brilliant what they've done down there on the harbour. Yeah, they've done a lot. We actually, when was I there? A couple of years ago, um, before we drove to Slovenia when the pandemic had just lifted like the day before. It's a bit mad. Um, so yeah, I have fond memories of folks and being able to escape the UK after two and a half years. Well, this this is an interesting start to a, a tech podcast. No. <laughs> Look, I, I was keen to talk to you. Um, Anyone who has listened to this show for a long time may well know that we've had you on the show before, but I, I noticed a post on LinkedIn uh, where you talked about launching Flexa with Tim Leppard in February 2020, a team of three and a dog, and you're now a team of 17 and eight dogs. That's hell. Many that's, dogs. Really? Wow. That's growth. I think we might even have more than eight. Um, with a lot of dogs, yeah. very dog friendly. Um, but yeah, people as well. We have great. Yeah. <laughs> so look, it was an opportunity to to catch up and and to find out what's happened in the time since we we last spoke to you. But for those people who may not have heard that episode, do you just want to tell us who Flexer are? Absolutely. Um, so yeah, I'm Molly, and I am one of three co-founders and, and CEO of Flexer. Um, Flexa is the platform where flexible companies get discovered for their working environment. So we enable people to search by their ideal working environments and find a company that matches that. So that could be, you know, my ideal working environment is remote first, so the choice of an office, but you don't have to go in regularly. Although I am sitting in our office and I do go in quite often, I just like not being told that I have to. Um, dog friendly and flexible hours because I am an evening person rather than a morning person. And um, you can put those filters on and all of those companies that match that come up. So we are now used by over one and a half million people all over the world as a source of truth when it comes to work company working environments. And we have verified hundreds of companies working environments as well, because we don't just take the company's word for it. Every single company that onboards on Flexa, um, their employees are surveyed to understand whether what they're saying that they offer uh, is actually true. I think it's interesting that you say you you like coming into the office. You just don't like the, to being sorry. You don't like being told that you have to. Yeah, I feel like a lot of founders don't like being told what to do. Though that's why I, I feel like a lot of people feel like that. Full stop. Not yeah. just founders. I, I, if I think about my colleagues, lots of them go into the office, but I think they do it more because they are told that they have the op that they have the choice that they can be at home if they'd like to, yeah. and therefore it doesn't feel like you're having a gun held to your head and. And your life is somehow in the hands of someone else. Is that is that fair? Do you think that's being borne out across the industry at the minute? Yeah, I think I think the word choice is coming up in a lot more conversations than it was before, and freedom. 
And I think that's what flexibility to people is, is starting to mean. Because even in, you know, hybrid, if you do have to go in to the office two or three days a week, you have the choice to work from home around that, right? Um, so it's all about choice and kind of understanding what works for you. And I think the reason that remote first is becoming so popular is that people aren't opposed to the office. They're opposed to coming in to do that work every day um, in a set place. So actually they might just be on Zoom calls all day or not actually doing work, but merits being in person. Um, so I think we're going through a kind of evolution of realizing that most people are sensible adults that want to work hard and do well at their job. And that doesn't always um, mean going into the office every single day. Your LinkedIn post talked about the growth and you referenced the fact that millions of people are now using the service, but that growth yeah. was unimaginable. What do you think has taken you from where you were to where you are today? Lots. <laughs> um, I think what, what we realised, so the story affects so like what caused us to start the platform and then build the platform was because I started off my career in investment banking um, and I also have an autoimmune disease and those two things don't really go very hand in hand um, because investment banking is not a notorious, notoriously flexible industry. And um, I kind of struggled through that. My, my feet swell up, my hands swell up, my face swells up. Like it's not something you want to go into the office with. You can work, it's fine, but it's not comfortable to have to commute. And so I kind of struggled through for about two years. Um, getting to the office, but sometimes having to take sick days and it really wasn't great. Um, so they said to me, well, you can request work from home one day a week if that will help. And I was like, cool, yeah. And 10 days later, they, they put a settlement package in front of me, sacked me and, and told me to leave immediately. And I was, I was 23, so I was like, God, maybe flexible working isn't normal. Like this was, you know, back in 2015, 16. Um, so maybe that's not normal. Maybe I should never have asked for that. Um, and I kind of went through job hunting, wanting to find out that information. And I think what has led to growth that I previously thought was unimaginable is the fact that, like, I wasn't one of few. I was one of many that this was happening to. And actually, there are millions hundreds of millions of people that say flexibility is non-negotiable whether that's because they've got children to look after um, or drop off and pick up from school whether it's because they've got a disability or condition whether it's because they realize that they thrive early in the morning rather than in the nine till five or much later but there are so many different reasons that that we want and need flexible working um, and so I went from a small problem to suddenly realising that, yeah, there are hundreds of millions of people. And I think the fact that we are designing something and building something that gives people more power in their job search is what really has enabled us to find that product market fit. It was a need that wasn't being serviced because it had always been looked at from the company perspective. It had always been like, how do we make hiring easier for that company? Whereas really people need to be treated better and that leads to better outcomes to companies that are trying to hire because they're finding people that are really keen to work for them, a great match for their working environment and their culture and really care about what they're offering. So you tapped into a latent kind of need or desire from a large percentage of the working population, but how have you got word out there? Because that's notoriously hard to do for a, for a kind of a challenger brand, um, especially yes. with limited marketing. What's that been yes. fueled by? hugely brands and awareness focus like huge brand awareness focus just can't speak today um that's we've built from day one 
So I've been building my personal brand talking about flexible working since even before Flexor launched. And that has led now to hundreds of leads, tens of thousands, if not hundreds of thousands of people coming to Flexor because of that. So with the Flexor marketing and brands and just making sure that really we're consistent and always focused hugely on content and providing value to that audience. We also do spend money in marketing. Um, we spend on both B2B and D2C throughout the whole funnel, top, top of funnel, middle of funnel, bottom of funnel, um, marketing on multiple channels. So we have a relatively complex um, but effective marketing strategy that weaves in our organic brands and kind of reach awareness along with paid as a complementary tool. Um, but it has taken a lot of time to build that kind of recognition up and it was starting at very early that has led to that success. Do you think enough founders get that? Because when, when you look at your LinkedIn, it's it's not like it, the posts appear to be very uh, samey. There, there appears to be plenty of diversity there, but you, you do have a very clear message, I think, that comes through all yeah. of those posts. Um, and your personal brand is 100% um, visible in the market. Yeah. And that's something that I think is still quite rare to find. Yeah, Um I think there's a lot of reasons for that. I remember when we first started, I did get a bit of criticism from investors. They were like, is this really a sensible thing to focus your time on? And then I showed them how many leads we get and how much awareness we get. And they were like, oh, actually, that is a sensible marketing strategy. Um, it's also incredibly time consuming. Like I spend half an hour a day. I'm not one of those people that like schedules loads of posts and comes up with these ideas and puts them out there in a really organised, methodical way. I don't do that. Um, I spend half an hour a day thinking of the post and posting it and then probably combined about an hour throughout the whole day replying to comments and engaging with that stuff. Like it's very, very time consuming and sometimes very frustrating because you have to start from nowhere. I just, I, I think it's starting to become a little bit more recognised as a great way to build awareness for your business, but it's not enough people do it or they don't have the patience to kind of stick with it because it starts from, I remember putting my um, LinkedIn posts into like WhatsApp groups with my friends in the early days and being like, can you like this? To try and get more reach. Like I don't have to do that anymore. But like I was doing it for about six, nine months, um, shamelessly. And then it was getting to 30 likes and then 100 and then, you know, average now is probably 300 to 500 and the right people see my posts as well. Um, so it's a lot of hard work and I think in the early days there's a lot of other stuff to focus on um, but actually I would take time in the early morning and the evening in order to do it and still focus on everything else around it As the business grows your role as CEO is naturally going to evolve Yeah, and you equally are going to discover, I suppose, stuff that you wish you could park and stuff that you really enjoy. How, how are you evolving over the time with Flexa? Um, I think I've learned a lot about people management in particular and doing that slightly more from afar because obviously when you're in the early days and you've got five employees, um, you can manage them all pretty closely and you don't have a layer between you and the employee, whereas now we have other managers who manage people and maintaining those relationships and managing from afar and still maintaining a culture I've learned an enormous amount about and actually a lot of my time does go on that and making sure that we've got happy people a culture that um 
people want to work in and that makes them engaged and productive um but also never directly managing either which is like it's a that for me has been a big journey because I'd only ever managed one layer so like in my past career it would have been like I had a few direct reports and like that was it um I think I've also learned although absolutely nobody listening to this and those things will believe me I think I'm actually more patient um I used to be very impatient and just expect immediate results for stuff and if, I, if that didn't happen then I get bored um, that hasn't happened anymore. I can see it as a longer term goal and the steps you need to take to get there. Um, and yeah, as you said, like the role naturally changes. I've become more of a spokesperson, reflector, and someone who builds that awareness rather than being involved in day to day product strategy. Um, I'll dip in and out and try and help guide people, but it's more you almost become an advisor to your own business rather than directly involved in the day to day. But you, you've made a career out of the how that businesses work instead of soul-destroying processes and so on and so forth. I suppose as you get bigger, as your business evolves, it must be easy to spot some of the trappings that you've observed for a long time in other businesses and really have to work to preserve your own how, right? Yeah. And we move fast and we are a little bit chaotic. Um, and... One of those reasons is because I see companies get bogged down in process and that becomes the most important thing rather than just getting stuff done. Um, and so as you get bigger and bigger, it becomes hard to maintain that speed of execution and trying to remove that fear of failure from people as well. That's what we've always had. It's like, give it a go. As long as it's not going to screw everything up, like you can test it. You know, don't worry about failure. Um, and those are two very important things within our company that I think will definitely be difficult to maintain as we grow. Um, same with making sure that I can see all of the aspects of the culture that are good and bad and act to quickly improve them and make sure that everyone is happy. I feel like I have oversight of that now, but I won't in the future. Um, and I think that's where a lot of companies go wrong as they stop listening, they stop seeing, they stop addressing quickly. Um, we've been lucky so far, so we'll see what happens in the future. Something that you did that I thought was quite interesting. So, so hang on, give some context. Before we hit record, we were talking about our favourite cities. And you said that you love Copenhagen. Uh, one of the things about the Nordics is they typically all bugger off over the summer working in an international business. I think it's wonderful. They all go, well, no, we're on holiday. And you go, okay, yeah. that meeting's not happening. Uh, and you look at the kind of the global index of happy countries and the Nordics quite often dominate those lists. So they seem to be doing something right. Um, I noticed on LinkedIn that you had a shutdown week at the end of August that feels like it could be quite borrowed from the Nordics. Yeah. Is, is anything, is there any truth in that? In that? Yeah, I think so. I think having that time where everyone is off from notifications and you don't feel like pressure to have to go on holiday and it's kind of like that summer quieter period it's quite um the French it's usually in July I think where it's a bit quieter and in Scandinavia it's August and I think it's quite a nice thing to emulate I think we don't have that level of downtime and it's all like you've got 25 holiday days and like do with them what you will but you feel like you have to go somewhere and do something um which you can in that shutdown period but also it's a nice excuse to just chill we also have half days on a Friday very much takes from that Scandinavian summer Friday thing, but it's year-round. Did, did you get any pushback from advisors or investors in the UK about doing kind of a whole company shutdown, or, or was it something that was was fairly universally well-received? Um, I mean, I'm kind of a person that never asks for permission and I forgive this. So, um, you never really... 
We never really checked it, um, but our productivity, we, we started like that, right, before we even had investors come on board and we have to live. Um, we have to practice what we preach as well, right? Um, we've never seen a drop off in productivity. Everyone comes back in September, like raring to go. Um, I'm still at, like, I still check and so do the other founders, like we're still available for emergencies so I completely just Um And I think all of that means that actually we are pushing the boundaries on what a productive company really looks like. Um, and to me, that's very exciting to experiment with that and to see like, how can we change our relationships with work and life together? Because I personally like the phrase like work-life fluidity. It'll come in and out. I'll walk the dog. I'll go to the supermarket. I'll come back. Sometimes I work till midnight, you know, that's how I thrive. Um, but a lot of people are not empowered to make those decisions for themselves. Um, and so it's like, so we're trying to do that. And sometimes it goes wrong. I'm very happy to say sometimes it does go wrong. And not everybody is right for that kind of environment. Um, and we have had to adjust for that. But in general, we have a very engaged, very happy, very productive workforce and thousands of people that want to work for us, which for a 17 person company is a great place to be in. Last quick question then. Increasingly, as you you are growing and you are being recognised, you are someone that people are going to for advice. But what what questions do you have as a leader? What right now in the market do you look at and and go to to your peers for their perspective on? Um, I think one of the biggest challenges or like most interesting challenges that we have currently is we are kind of a marketplace, more like a B2B to C platform or a B2B platform with a D2C audience. And the kind of questions that I have around, um, you know, what are the ideal kind of liquidity metrics on both sides? Like how do you best optimize growing both B2B and D2C um, to that perfect extent of making the most of those network effects? And, I spend a lot of time thinking about that and how we can optimise it and talking to people. And that's probably our biggest, biggest challenge and opportunity because so far it's gone in our favour. But um, And we've managed it very well, but there's different inflection points, right, as you grow. Um, we've been relatively small um, until recently. Still are small in the grand scheme of things, really. Um, but the dynamics of when you've got so many users and so many companies, like how they interact. So I always kind of... Probably one of my biggest... Um, academic challenges at the moment is understanding that better well look it's been a pleasure to speak to you it's it's fantastic to hear that it's going well um and hopefully we can check in again in however long it might be and uh who knows how many dogs who knows how many dogs you'll have have hundreds of dogs 10 million users yeah (laughs) (laughs) thanks for your time molly thank you very much for having me right kish um I don't know. This is. I was about to say you strike me as a man who uses just eat, and I realised yeah. that 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 could have sounded really bad. You're calling me fat, actually... Dave. You're fat shaming me on a <laughs> on a public forum just because I don't post my runs on Strava. You think I post my orders on Just Eat? Fat shaming, I tell you, bullying. That, that really wasn't meant to be, and I stopped myself because I was like, not at all. You're you're an athlete. You're a fine specimen of an athlete. Oh yeah, cricket, yeah. cricket every oh, week. Oh yeah, yeah. There you go. No, no. Actually, that's not what I was going to go with either. It was more okay. the fact that you're in London, and um, mm. for a lot of the time, you live on your own. And uh, to yeah. be perfectly frank, um, when I am on my own in any location, I can't be asked to to cook. No, <laughs> where I was going. 
Uh, it came out horribly wrong. Uh, but yeah, I often can't be asked to cook when I'm when I'm at home alone. And um, I would definitely turn to Just Eat and Deliveroo far more often than I than than I probably should. Don't do it as much anymore because in rural Kent, um, quite hard to use them. Mm-hmm. Anyway, the reason why I mention this and um, make it right ask of myself is that just eat a trialing a new ai powered chatbot that uh, the design basically or sorry it, it is designed to add items to your shopping basket in response to a query like egg and cheese mcmuffin from mcdonald's this sounds really bloody dangerous I, I'm, I'm trying to get my head around it right so is that is that the ai chatbot uh um... oh, you, you search for it therefore you want it get it in your basket yeah yeah, that's what I mean, right? So it's just like... It sounds like that. Mm. So And it just adds into your basket without you having to click yes or no, I'm assuming. Yeah, I mean, I guess you still got to get a checkout, but if it's in your basket, then maybe you're more likely to kind of go, all right, yeah, oh, mm. yeah, well, okay, that sounds pretty good then. Yeah. Uh, which I suppose is the point from the retailer point of view. It plans to pilot the assistant with UK users in the next few weeks with a wider rollout to follow. Coincidentally, rival Uber Eats also plans to launch a similar chatbot this year. So... Um, yeah, I think it, it's it's the opening line from the chatbot is "Hello, how can I assist you with your food or grocery 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 order today?" <laughs> Doesn't happen there. Um, yeah, and it's got some preset options of "I am hungry," "I want something healthy." Mm. Um, what is laxi? Laxi. Laxa. Laxi. It's a bit pixelated. I maybe don't read that right. L a k s e or L a k k s a. Anyway, I don't know maybe uh or i need help probably yes uh yeah the idea though that it just puts it in your basket is concerning i think it's it also will uh, will make a consumer really well i guess consumer insights right it's gonna it's gonna help um platforms like justy actually see and and help with data in terms of what their consumers are using but also or thinking about or thinking about yeah but also as someone that uses it um you're probably just gonna get you know sort of i guess pushed into a bit of a corner and end yeah. up buying it's like when things. someone says the word curry you're then like oh yeah 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 actually mm. and you go from like naught to 60 in about two seconds if someone says the word curry to me after cricket on like a saturday hmm then the evening is is a disaster if I haven't had one by the end of it. Mm. Yeah, exactly. And also, I think it will just... I mean, when you talk about the cost of living and you talk about, you know, people being careful and spending, that sort of stuff, we should probably have AI chatbots that recommend, I don't know, cheaper options or maybe, you know, kind of, you know... Are you sure you want that Big Mac salad instead? Yeah, are you sure you want... (laughs) You know, you sure you want to go large? Here's a try medium. Um, You've got quite a lot in your basket already. Yeah, because last time you ordered large, you couldn't finish half of it. You know, I I don't think I don't think this is going to have your health or your waistline at at its intention. It is almost certainly going to be designed for the retailer. So you're going to end up with a with a with an Indian order that's you're going to end up with onion bhajis, samosas, um, several side dishes naan poppadoms and a main and be yeah. sat there going i'm going to die yeah I sat there going oh this is quite a lot of food isn't it and then you end up finishing <laughs> it and then feeling crap for two days so yeah it's um it, it's interesting but i do also think maybe those that are you know may, maybe those that are 
um, somehow like got a disability or aren't able to um you know search for things quite quickly that sort of stuff i think it's great yeah, like yeah. i suppose it's that thing of how is ai being used if it if it's being used on the on the side mm. of the retailer rather than the consumer's interests mm. that's a bit of a concern if it's genuinely helping consumers absolutely where there are yeah. you know accessibility issues yeah absolutely and, and i think that's great because then they don't feel you know someone that is not as ex- as as able to access things as an able-bodied person they don't feel left out or anything like that right they can have things and 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 kind of search and get to things a lot quicker um then yeah maybe someone like us absolutely well look um i'm gonna let you get back to your busy day i know that you've got plenty on and uh but we're we're, but we're being very sincere yeah but we're being productive and very flexible working from home what's what's the cricket score no. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> no, no. We'll be back on Thursday when we're talking to Jen from Pager Duty. But uh, until then, thank you for your time, Akish. Thank you.